for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you have confidence in someone or something, you can count on it. And having confidence in your hunting gear is critical to our overall success as a hunter. So what's it take to develop that confidence? Well, now... Let's just have a talk about that. Pull up a chair, adjust your volume just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Arnellis, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Elk Camp. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show tonight. And for those blue collar hunters who've been grinding it out all week with us and following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. Joe, Chav, Everybody's here in the house tonight to get things started. I understand the shout-outs are going to be something we do every week to help all our grinders out there. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, it's funny because uh, when we did that last week, it just threw me back. I might be showing my age, but you remember Hee Haw, right? Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I remember Hee Haw. (laughs) And, I mean, as a kid, you know, my dad loved Hee Haw, and I – you know, now I kind of look back at it and I was like, hmm, maybe it was for other reasons, but, uh, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what that is, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was those shout outs that they did, you know, to, to the small towns across the United States. And as I started looking across all those different places and what I do is I look at our podcast and when it comes out, we take a look at, who's been checking it out right away that week and hitting the top of the list. And then some of those cool names down there. And I just thought it'd be awesome, man. If, if we did that shout out and uh, we don't do the hee haw, but, uh, or salute. Remember yeah. Was, yeah, salute. For, those of you that are new, for those of you that are new with the show, I'm the host of the show, Gilbert Ornelas. I'm here live here out of Houston, Texas. We got Joe Gillia in the house and Leroy Chav Chavez out of Cimarron, New Mexico. And we're going to tee it up for you guys and talk about all of our elk grinders that are out there from different cities. And, Joe, I'll let you lead us off. Yeah. So uh, some pretty cool places out there to the grinders. Uh, top in the chart this week, the home of the Rodeo Hall of Fame is Colorado Springs, Colorado. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I want to give them the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Also home to Olympic gold medal gymnast Shannon Miller from Edmond, Oklahoma. Who spent a lot of time training down here in H-Town. 
<laughs> really huh <laughs> absolutely that's a big place for it's a big hotbed here for oh, awesome. all the gymnasts uh, then, yeah, and, and next up from the liberty and independence state in wilmington delaware, delaware we appreciate you man. guys listening to us for sure oh, awesome over there from the beehive state formerly known as the greatest snow on earth <laughs> in uh, woods cross utah and Good looking out, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't had a burger at Karen's Custard and you haven't been there, a big shout out to Smyrna, Tennessee. Yeah, it's just uh, right off Nashville. They say that's like becoming like one of the top places in the U.S. uh, over there. Never had any. I never heard of Smyrna before. Uh, So I think that's really cool. And I'm going to give another shout out because – you know, we talk about getting reviews and ratings and stuff like that. And we had a review that popped out from uh, Jim in, uh, it was Jackson Hole, Wyoming, you know, mm-hmm. and gave us a lot of positive feedback. And Jim, we appreciate you leaving that rating uh, for us, leaving that review. That's really classy and hope more of you guys do that. So guys out there, please, um, whether you're on our YouTube channel, whether you're here on Apple Podcasts, um, whether you're in Spotify, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we'd love to have that. We'd like to do some things where we can actually go live on YouTube. In order to do that, we've got to get those subscriptions because until we get 100 subscribers on there, we're not able to go live. Absolutely, Joe. So, you know, we're going to get into our, our substance of our show tonight. So let's talk about equipment confidence, Joe. As guys and gals are drawing their tags now, right. a lot of people are thinking about equipment and gear. Yeah, sure. You know, a lot of people are, <laughs> I mean, I bet you guys right away are working on that Christmas list, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, guys are either reading what they have, they're either adding to what they have, or for those newbies that they don't have any clue what they need. Uh, for you guys just starting out, they're, they're asking, they're looking for information, they're borrowing, they're buying stuff for the first time. So, you know, uh, it's, it's equipment and gear right now that a lot of people are thinking about. Yeah, for sure. What what do you feel like are the main factors for feeling confident in your equipment, Joe or Chav, either one of you, y'all want to lead it off? Well, you know, if you have confidence in your equipment, um, that kind of takes away the worry, uh, you know, of, uh, of, of the equipment that you have because you can just get out there and do what do what you're out there to do and that's to hunt if you have to worry about your equipment then uh, you know that puts a little damper on things and we're yeah. talking about uh, the whole gamut here from the bow all the way down to uh, socks and just about anything you could think of uh, we've experienced uh, some malfunctions with equipment before so we know it's real important and yeah. your first time out you may leave uh, some real important uh, stuff that you may need, you know, big time. Yeah. And at the same I like time, to keep notes. <laughs> yeah. I like to keep notes on the things that I've left behind that have caused me a little pain and frustration. Right. Yeah. yeah you, well, that's just it. Maybe us talking right now. Yeah. So, I mean, on my iPhone, I got a place here that it says notes and it's full <laughs> of stuff like that. Right. I, I put notes in note to self. Don't be stupid and forget your pillow. Well, uh, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> you know, all these years, I can remember, dude, there were, well, I mean, when we first started out, didn't have boots to hunt in snow. We were grabbing gear from our in-laws and we, yeah. we were out there in boots too small, too big. And, you know, so having the right stuff is, is important. So I think one of the main factors um, to being confident and, and really when you talk about confidence in equipment, you're comfortable, man. You just have when you feel solid with, you know, everything, no matter what the gear is, when you feel solid about that, you have just that, that mentality out there. You just feel like you're lit up and you're ready. You know what yeah, I mean? Having what you need is. Yeah, better, exactly. Right. right. Uh-huh. Having so, what you need. That helps you know, meet and, the task in hand. You know? that, that's exactly you. And, you know, when you talk about the things, you got to have what you need that meets the task at hand. And uh, so I want to tell those people, I know there's a lot of, new hunters out there that they're going well what do i need you know yeah Uh, i don't want to you know right now you guys are listening and you can't sit there and write notes real quick on that so if you want a basic suggested equipment list um just email us at info at elkbros.com 
uh, just ask that you're looking, you're new to elk hunting, you'd like a list of equipment to start with out there, and, and we'll send that your way. So just send that to info at elkbros.com. Um, and understand that, you know, there's going to be stuff that you need that are important, and we're going to talk about importance of stuff in a minute. Um, but Chav and I, man, it, what we have now is from years of different things that we've done and we didn't start out with stuff in the beginning you know it's just one of those things that you come with the girl that brought you with you you know and uh you know so there's a lot of stuff that we may do yeah i think familiarity with your gear is paramount too to having confidence with it right not not being serial number one or first time you use it when you get out there in the field and trying to be comfortable that's huge right yeah that's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if if you were to go out there, because, you know, Chav, with a new release, right? Yeah. You know, can you imagine you just pulling out a release and, and getting out there? and? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I think see. he found out when he was chasing them little piggies that it's a little bit different. <laughs> so do you remember the first day shooting that thing? Yeah, I sure do. You know, I wasn't even sure which way the, the release went, you know. Right. and uh Yeah. You know, we're shooting a completely new setup for me. You know, I got to be confident. I started shooting uh, about, a, what, two months ago already? Right, right. You know, I'm not shooting a whole lot. You know, it's, I'm trying to get stronger little by little in, in small increments. But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, getting used to the release, uh, getting used to the new sights, uh, everything's different. Yeah, and, you know, guys that I take out when I'm guiding them, number one reason a lot of times that – guys have trouble struggle end up missing an opportunity as they are just not familiar with their equipment i'm talking rifle hunters and bow hunters yes sir i i i really believe and i'm gonna get all this hate mail now (laughs) but i i think bow hunters are generally more um familiar with their equipment there's you know i've had a lot of rifle hunters that will show up having bought a new gun bought new loads you know, never shot them out of that gun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had it wow. happen that way. And me and, too. I've had guys show up to bow camp and, you know, hunting down here in Texas and they got a brand new bow and a brand new setup and they've never shot it before. And, yeah, that's, and my, and my rancher's going, Mm-mm. no, we ain't <laughs> making pin cushions out of my animals out here. No, and yeah. I spend half a day shooting that thing, getting familiar with it, or you ain't going hunting. And the know? thing too, you know, during transport, you can bump your sights or, Oh yeah, or you know other other parts of the bow, and it's not going to shoot the same way. So you need to actually shoot it when you get to camp. Make you sure bet, Chav. You, you know, right you there. and I, we ride four wheelers or mules or horses or whatever it may be, and it's real easy when you're traipsing through the woods to make a little slip, ding your sight. I mean, especially if you shoot sights and releases, easy to cut a string down. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen, and if you don't shoot your bow when you get to camp. Everything's different. (laughs) I've been shooting at a total different altitude for nine, ten months, you know, and I get get up there at 10,000 feet. Things are different, right? Yeah. Oh, we found that out just going down, right? So, I mean, it happens both ways. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. But, you know, being comfortable, so from being familiar and comfortable with what you have, and when you have that comfort zone with your equipment, man, you walk, talk, and act totally different. I mean, you just – it's, it's like I have, you guys have seen like uh, I've I bought equipment, right? You buy new pants every year or you buy a new pack and I it happens every year. I, I buy a real nice pack that I want to try out. And then when it comes down to crunch time, I look at, man, and I look at that Badlands pack of mine that I have with those side pockets and I just am so comfortable with that yep. that, you know, I end up leaving that other thing and grabbing the stuff that I have had in the past that have worked for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I even have a, a, what I call my killing kit, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, that stuff yeah, that you, I wear. You know, when you know your points of failure and you try to eliminate them and make you more confident, you know, and, and you know what didn't work last time. So you work in perfecting what works better next time. So know. that's, that's so huge. We can help them. You got to yeah. know if, if you can get familiar with your equipment, identify possible points of failure or get out there and use that stuff. And that's why we talk about hunting. Yeah, I mean, case in point, case in point, one of our Venezuelan mafia brothers, 
You know, he had a little mishap, never shot with a, a glove on. Our Canadian brother, Steve Tucker, had the same thing happen. They never hunted in super cold weather and used a release with a glove. Right. You, you can't feel the pressure you put on that release if you've got a glove on your shoot on your trigger finger. And each one of those guys sent one sailing out into, into the stratosphere. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, my gosh. I, I think it was either – Manana or Luis, uh, this past, you know, on our reunion hunt down there, the same thing happened. He went to draw on a hog and he's using a new release. He's not using a a wrist strap. He's using a a thumb release. And man, he went to, he sent one clean out in the woods to never be found again. Right. Uh, so it, it is paramount for you to be a very, very familiar with your equipment. Yeah, and, I mean, and we don't want arrows flying through the woods too, right. unaccounted for, yeah. you know. So that that's Well you got to see that firsthand with Tucker. Oh, yeah. I got was there. Ninety yards over a elk's back and like, what was that? You know, I I never very seldom do I ever pass on a bull and we've we've talked about it in the past. The only reason that generally I'll pass is when I I get that bull close on the first day and I got another 10 days of hunting. I don't want to go home, you know, I want to keep hunting. So, uh, but, but man, I tell you what, that Tucker had that bull walk in front of him and, you know, we all, you've been with me and killed beautiful Mm -hmm. spikes. You've killed uh, smaller bulls. You killed a real nice bull, all of them trophies, but you know, to watch Tucker have that, you know, 360 bull walk in front of him and send one sailing over the back. That was that was special. <laughs> that was special, Tucker. If we'd summarize that, we basically said four things that you need, the four main factors to feel confident in your equipment. We said that you need to have what you need to meet the task at hand. You got to be familiar with it. You got to be comfortable with it. And that familiarity is what helps you to have that comfort. And, but comfort sometimes comes from, you know, it's, it's like having that lucky rabbit's foot in your pocket. You've just used yeah. it year after year and you know it. And it's right. just like your buddy and your pal. And then fourth was knowing your points of failure and then eliminating them. So the, and those all are, of that goes into building confidence. In sure. Your gear, exactly. Right? With your equipment. All of that goes into building confidence with your equipment. That's exactly right. And so, if you look at all four of those things, one of them is, is figuring out what you need to make sure you have it, right? Those other three all relate because it's all about using it. It's all about checking it out, taking it apart, putting it together, finding out the weaknesses, finding out the strengths. And if you have areas that start, you know, you can wear a pair of boots and you can wear them the first day. You can wear them the first week. And sometimes them puppies don't start creaking and popping until you start getting out in rocks and wearing them for about two weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. ha- having things in your pack that start creaking and making noise, that drives me nuts, man. It just, I'm, I'm a silent freak, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, I bought a pack a few years ago that I really, and I, and I use it now, but I had to modify it quite a bit because it had some Velcro on it. And Velcro don't belong in the woods, guys. I'm going to tell you that straight up, unless you're using it to bind something to take out of the woods. But hunting, it just doesn't belong. It makes too much racket. Yeah, we end up throwing tape on uh, zipper ends and stuff like that so they don't rattle and hit. And and you can always tell hunters that create equipment because they start rubberizing those type things and making it stuff like that. So, So, so Joe, do you feel like you need new gear to be confident? You know, I – I've always thought about, I always remember my dad saying that most fishing lures out there catch more men than they catch fish. <laughs> so, I agree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the latest and greatest is always good. But, you know, when we're talking as blue-collar elk hunters, two blue-collar elk hunters out there, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that you can get by with. Um, there's, you, you hunt with what you have, you buy that bow, um, that's an investment. And, you know, if you're going to invest in something, you got to invest in your bow, your arrows and your broadheads, because if, if that's not right, nothing's going to die. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, sir. uh, you know, that, that has to be there, but at the same time, 
you know, there's a lot of great deals out there. There's always people that are stepping up to new gear that are trying to unload their stuff. And you can get some quality stuff out there. You know, just uh, being part of a bow group, getting on uh, some of the forums that they have out there. And uh, guys are trying to sell their stuff. So does it have to be new? Well, I have a, I looked at a photo the other day of uh, one of my hunts. And a lot of times if you can see my feet, uh, in my hunts, I've worn my favorite thing to wear was running shoes when I hunt. <laughs> and yeah, comfortable. Yeah, well, they were comfortable. Quiet. Yeah, they were quiet. Um, yeah, unless you had bad weather, they were real good. And when I first started out, it didn't really matter. You know, I, yeah. uh, all of this equipment, I was hunting on a budget and just to get out between license and stuff. Uh, so if my feet got a little wet, they were going to dry out. Then I started adding uh, Gore-Tex socks to that combination. Didn't have to worry about that. And I was still comfortable. Um, when other guys were complaining about their feet hurting, I didn't have that issue. Um, I still kind of do something where I'll hunt with boots, you know, when it's wet and muddy in the morning and I'll put on my tennies in the afternoon. That's just how I like to hunt. I just, I feel like I'm putting the Mohican sneaking on them when I have my tennies on them, you know? So, yeah. uh, so I didn't have new stuff then. And, you know, I'd put out that Christmas list and hope to get something that would make life a little more comfortable. But, you know, there's some things that, that you can just, I mean, our dads did it, you know, yeah. without that stuff. Yeah. You know, Joe, I've, I've spent a lot of time fishing and hunting and I don't hunt with a brand new Matthews bow. My bow's six years old. I just, I just found the receipt for me buying my first helium in 2013. Right. And I'm still hunting with that boat and I'm killing things left and right with that thing. So you I know. don't necessarily think you've got to have new gear. I, I fish, uh, I've been on, you know, many fishing teams. Uh, you can see right here, Kistler rods is right there. I've been fishing his rods since 1998. And I have some rods that I still fish with today that are from 1998. Right. right. And they're as good if today works, as they were before. Works, bro, why get rid of it, right? Exactly. Yeah, you for know. sure. Yeah, and I mean, I'm hunting with the same bow that I've been hunting with for, I don't know, 12 years. And, yeah. But it's hard for me. I'm actually getting manufactured out of existence here because I'm a finger shooter. I shoot instinctive, um, no sights, and uh, my bows are... 42, 44, axle to axle, which used to be short. Longbow. Long <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it used to be short at one it time. It used to be short. Now, now it's a longbow. Yeah. So now It's real long compared to the what we shoot today. Yeah. But, you know, uh, my wife and I are getting ready to have our 37th anniversary. You find something that works, you stick yeah. with it. That's how I am with it. When I quit killing things, I'll make a change, right? But at the end of the day, you know, it's bad medicine on elk and everything else that gets in front of that of that bow of mine. So I think a, a lot of it has aluminum to today, bro. If it wasn't for you, I'd still be shooting <laughs> aluminum today. It's a, love, drug it's a love hate uh, relationship people. There's nothing wrong with getting new gear. If, if you can, you know, uh, but do you have to have it? Is it going to make you, if, let me just tell you, if it makes you more confident, if you think getting that, uh, new, whatever is going to up your game and that's going to give you a, a mentality, then do it. Right. You know, I, I mean, same thing with sports teams. We mm -hmm. used to say that, you know, they perform like they, they look sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think it's just about mindset. If you're comfortable, familiar, and you're solid with stuff that you have, you don't have to go changing it. If you think that, and you don't have confidence in something, then it's time to change it. So now you got to start looking for stuff like that. Joe, let me ask you a question. All right. Let's say you had to list your most important top three pieces of gear to be confident in and then rate them one to three, one being the most important. Right, right. What would they be? Yeah, well, so I think uh, I sent this question out to all of us, so I know all three of us have thought about this a little bit. And right. uh, I think we're going to start with our number three here because I thought it was real interesting that – you know, when you talk about pieces of gear that you have to be confident in, first of all, let me ask you, Chad, what, what made you, what guided your decision, your thought processing on, on that? On number three? Yeah, well, on, on actually, 
identifying those. Okay, well, first of all, since I'm shooting a new bow, right, and and using a release and everything else, that was going to be in my top three. Um, and then, of course, uh, probably the worst experience I've ever had hunting was. Uh, well, let, let's not go into the other stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I just want to know. I want to know the process. You know, so when you did it, did you say, "Okay, I got to know what is it I have to have to be comfortable, or what is it I have to have to to be able to kill?" Or, you, in other words, what was y'all's basis for the top three things that you picked? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make sure that I was confident when I got on the field that I that I would kill something, and I want to make that good hit. You know. And it's going to take practice. And then with a the new bow, it's it's different too. So, right. you know, now I have a, a different uh, draw point. So, you know. On, on your list, what was your number three? Mine? Yeah. Mine was uh, uh, socks and boots. Socks and boots. <laughs> socks and boots. Now, Gilbert, what, what was your yeah, – you're giving a thumbs up on those Absolutely, socks. Absolutely, man. 100%. So what was what was the thinking process for you, Gilbert, in trying to decide your your top three? Well, for me, man, it's all about being comfortable, Joe. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, my top three, if you start at number three, mine was my bow setup, arrow, bow, arrow, uh, and broadhead setup. Right. So, <clears throat> go ahead. So you, Tab has you have Bo actually your first one, right? right. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. you have it your third, and yeah. I actually have my Bo as my number one too. And so my thought processing, so we can kind of compare. I I was thinking that there are the things that I am not able to do without if I plan on killing an elk. So right. what are the three things that I could not do without in order to kill? And you you have third is your bow, right? Yeah, my arrow bow and arrow set combination setup would, you know, that includes broadhead and arrow. Right, right, exactly. And uh, and I have bow as number one, and you had bow as number one. You said right. because, well, it's it's a, it's a new bow. Plus, you know, can't kill anything with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Gilbert's got some grip. You got to shoot. <laughs> you got to have something to shoot. So. <laughs> Gilbert's. Got I don't know if grip. I can run them down, but if yeah. I can hold them, I can get. I, I, I think if, you know, if it came to, you know, if we went hunting the way we're dressed today. Right. If we use it the wind right, you know, basically, right. and uh, found some cover in the shadows, all, all we need is a bow. I mean, we're, we're scented. You know, we stink. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, with the wind right and everything else, you know, uh, that's why I said bow as my number one. Well, and I, yeah, I said that as my number one too, is because if when I grab that bow, and I, I always pull my, for you guys that are out there, I before I even step into the woods, once I'm heading out, heading out of camp, I always pull that bow back, just to get any creaks out, just to make sure we're all good to go, kind of like a pre-check, pre-flight check. But man, once I put that bow in my hand and I start stepping into those woods, it's like something comes over me just with that bow in my hand, man. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I heard, uh, I think I was listening to um, Born and Raised the other day, and uh, Trent and Cody were talking about the difference between hunters and killers. And, uh, you know, man, when I put that bow in my hand, I'm a killer. Yeah, just but again, it goes back to having confidence in that equipment, right? Sure. You've been hunting with it for a long time. You understand it. It's really your top priority in having that uh, system. It's been a proven system for you. Right. I can't tell you how many guys that I, I encounter <clears throat> at a bow shop or somewhere, and they're like, man, I'm going out west. I really have no idea you know, what, what to shoot, what arrows to shoot. And all I can tell them is what I've been successful with and what I've not been successful with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and truthfully, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of heartache at times to get to where we're at. Right. Definitely. Now I shoot a 31 inch draw bow. So it's a hammer. It's like yours, Joe. I mean, it, it produces 89 to 90 pounds of kinetic energy. That's enough to hunt a Cape Buffalo in Africa, right? So the bow has everything it needs to do what it needs to do to produce the energy it needs to kill an elk. 
So I needed to give it something to shoot out of, right? So we shoot a full metal jacket and I shoot a cut on contact broadhead. When I started doing that, things started dying. It didn't yeah. start wounding them. It started killing them. That's right? so funny because uh, everybody, I've been hunting for so many years and, and where my skill set is. And I've had guys come up and ask me, so what's your KE? Dude, I'm not no scientist. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, guys asked me, what's your KE? And I was like, killing elk <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. about 95% son <laughs> yeah. yeah there you go yeah so no and the only reason why I know those numbers is because the bow shop that I deal with they work those numbers up for you right it's a formula right. you math yeah. guys out there and you nerds they y'all can figure that stuff out for us right simple right. country boys we just know it's a lot and it you know if you couple it with the right ammunition you're going to get the job done yeah you know? so it's important to me uh, but for me, when, it, when you take a look at number two and number, What's number one, two for you, number two for me is my GPS and my, my light source. Right. Uh, and Chad, so, you had, you had GPS. I had GPS too. also. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> all right. Now you just threw that in Gilbert, G- GPS and light source. You, you, well, you like, cause it's, it's all in one. It's all <laughs> a compact, right? So, so I get, it's a twofer. It's a twofer. Huh? So yeah. you don't carry an extra light. I carry three extra lights. Okay. Joe. Case right. one goes out. <laughs> yeah. So he was just trying to show me how efficient he was. I was like, Ain't nobody want to be in the dark in the bear woods, Joe. I'm telling you. <laughs> There's so critters you guys, out there to eat folks. You and Chad both had had uh, GPS. And, you know, GPS did not make my top three. And I would probably say the only reason is uh, because I hunt my country that I know so well. And however, I will tell you that I know it so well because of my GPS use in the past. Um, plus, um, the fact that if I was going to someplace I didn't know, it would be huge. So but, how might, what, if you rated it when you came down to Texas pig hunting, where was it? When oh, I dropped it, you off down there on that river. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that and the snake gators were one and two. So, <laughs> yes, sir. But, you know, uh, that GPS, is it has totally changed hunting for all of us and for a lot of people. I, I think it's it's taken away a little bit from people learning some, you know, skill in the woods. They rely on it so much. But, again, you know, if you're going to have confidence in that, you better also make sure that you know it's points of failure and you're ready for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you need to be proficient in compass, right? I mean, uh, and battery. I have a compass in my pack. <laughs> yeah, and extra ba- Yeah, if you're going to carry something that's batterized, I mean, you better have extra batteries. Well, and now most people's GPS now, because yeah. we're, we're all on X fans, yeah. uh, most people's GPS is their cell phone. And then that cell phone... You know, if you're out there, a point of failure is that battery, you know, you can turn off that Wi-Fi and that data and your GPS works just fine and you're going to save that battery more during the day. So, And, and it adds extra weight in your pack, but you can put a, 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 an external battery charger. pack with right. you. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I always carried extra batteries for my GPS and my lights and stuff. So, you know, I guarantee you, you should have an extra charger for your for your cell phone because that thing you know you get stuck out at night most of the guys are going well he's got his gps he's going to get back right well you yeah. know joe i also had slash wind wind checker right right um, for me elk hunting slash so huh? you were yeah, slashing. Sla- gps <laughs> slash wind wind checker so uh the wind checker is a big deal for me. I mean, I guess you can always use a little bit of dirt, you Tiger Woods, it and throw it up in the air or whatever. But uh, for me, that that chalk is huge because we're checking the wind so often when we're making. No, you're you know, the wind is everything. But and and I saw your wind checker thing, and I'm like, you know, I carry two bottles of wind checker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think for, we all do. Yeah, yeah, and but <clears throat> you know, the like cool thing said, on Onyx now it has prevailing wind where you're at. So it'll actually show you in the app which way the wind's blowing now. Sure. Did you know that, Joe? That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. that. Yeah, that's awesome. It kind of gives you the things that are happening. But at, at, at the same time, when I was thinking about, again, when, if I'm saying 
they threw me out with three things to be able to kill yeah. an elk. You know, uh, my three things were my, my bow was number one. So my number two um, was my calls. Yep. Because like Chav said, I could go out there dressed as I am right now. Um, I could find a way to camel myself up. Uh, I knew I can tell when the wind's in my face, but you know, calls change the game for me. So my grunt to man, I, I could be a mile from camp and realize I forgot my grunt tube. <laughs> yeah, I could re- I could easily replace GPS and wind checker with my calls. You know, right. when you think about it. Uh, yeah. But if I, if I'm going out in the elk woods, I'm not gonna not have my GPS and exactly. I mean my, my calls, right? So, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, so then ahead, we go to uh, your number one, Gilbert. Yeah, my number one for me is boots and rain gear. <laughs> so listen, I've had some extremely tough hunts. Uh, you know, at one time I weighed 335 pounds. Uh, we were at 254 this morning So and, and dropping. Uh, so when you're that size, <clears throat> your feet take a whipping, right? Where we hunt, it's very unforgiving on your feet and the dew in the mornings are generally very wet. And uh, if your feet get damp and you don't wear a good pair of socks, you're going to get blisters. And there is nothing worse than having foot trouble when you're putting 12 to 15 miles a day in with guys like Joe and Chab that are track stars in the mountains. Right? So for me, having a great pair of boots that are waterproof and that, have great support is paramount and my right. feet if i can keep my feet good all week i'm gonna be i'm gonna be real salty to deal with when i get the opportunity well, and you then my rain your socks gear. on yours didn't you too yeah i had a real bad experience with uh the socks getting wet uh-huh. and like you said blisters just form automatically and uh you know i i have two uh pair of boots that i really like they're lightweight and uh, they fit just right. Uh, they were waterproof at one time, but over time, I guess they lose that uh, ability. So you went to boots before I did. I mean, you used to wear tennis shoes along with me, but I, right. I noticed that you actually invested in boots way before I did. Yeah, I think because uh, I have small ankles, so I was afraid of rolling them. And right, you know, because you it seems like you have uh, rubber band ankles because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you twist it all the way around and. And still keep on going, and I I, w- I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Yeah. And well, as I I'm get not, a, go ahead, go ahead. As I get older, now I need a little bit more support. You know, my ankles, and of course the knees. Yeah, and you know I'm not going to bogart this information from anybody. I wear a pair of North Face pack boots uh, that are very lightweight. I can actually bring one on the show and show you uh, the exact boot that I wear. Uh, and then I wear a pair of Mindles uh, as well from Cabela's. Those are two of the finest pair of boots that I've ever worn. But I was so impressed this year by the North Face boots. I bought two more pair of them. So when these go bad, I got two more in stock. To, to, they just fit so well. And they're so light. And the soles are so soft. They don't make any noise when you're stepping on rocks and stuff like that. But they're so comfortable. I know, I know Chav has this thing about socks man because we almost have to bring another truck just to bring all the socks that he brings <laughs> me too champ so look i have i wear two pairs a day one in the morning and one in the afternoon yeah you know yeah, I about mean, a my dozen. feet i have to take care of my feet i'm, I'm serious yeah I'm, about a dozen uh waterproof socks and uh to double <laughs> double ensure that my feet weren't going to get wet oh but and and on that uh, for you guys out there you know when he says that he bought those waterproof socks you can go to Amazon and you buy those cycling uh, waterproof socks. Yeah, that's what, exactly yeah. what they were, right? And, cycling and socks. A whole lot more in, in expect, inexpensive than buying some of that <clears throat> that other gear, and and they're more comfortable because they're they're made for bikers for comfort. Yeah, it's a soft, uh, you know, the material is kind of soft, so you know they fit just right. And they do keep your feet good yeah, and dry. Your you know? feet are dry. Yeah. So. It, it, so that builds like, confidence in being able to make the miles. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know that your feet are going to be fine. So we can go make the miles and, and our feet are going to be dry and they're going to be, they're still going to be sore and, and everything, but they're going to, 
you're going to take care of your feet. To you know, and I recommend the guys have more than one. If you're going to wear boots, have more than one pair so you can change them up. Just the change from one, yeah, just change from one boot to another. Or And like I said, I do the tennis shoes, and I find, you know, guys in boots have a whole lot more sore feet than I ever did wearing tennis shoes out there. Yeah. So uh, I, even though it didn't look like I had much on my feet, I was pretty comfortable. So I've been looking at some of the new uh, Solomon or Solomon or whatever tennis shoes. They're pretty cool, and they're, and they're waterproof as well. I tried on a pair, and it's not wide enough, Joe. You know, my wife made a comment a long time ago, my feet are so wide I wear a quadruple E. She said, I just don't need the shoe. I just need the box and put laces on it and it'd be all right. So, so uh, for me, it's about comfort. My my number three that uh, I think we've covered all three of yeah. those there. Yes, sir. But the one thing that I put down is 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 my uh, my clothing. So that's that's my, you know, my camo layers, my gloves, masks, gaiters, and rain gear. I put all that in one thing there and and. I have, I, like I said, I'm a silent freak. I I just hate to be making any kind of noise. People watch me when I go into any of those sporting goods stores, and first thing I do is I walk up and start, I start rubbing shirts together, start rubbing pant legs together, and if I can hear a shishin noise out there, man, it, it it's not something that that I'm wanting. No shower curtains. <laughs> Manano, you hear that? No shower curtains. <laughs> so I, I just, uh, I, you know, everything that even, you know, from my head netting, because I do like to cam on my face, so I wear a spandiflage, but it sticks. It stays tight. I don't hear ever hear any flapping or anything like that. I, I don't want my pack shoulders to to make any kind of noise when I'm drawing because if I'm in tight and close, if I feel like I'm silent, it totally changes the game when I'm pushing in close to an animal. I don't worry about drawing and having that animal uh, identify me and spot me out just because I'm making noise. So, I mean, it, it's, it just gives me a whole feeling of security. And, and I feel like that, I don't know that that killer out there, man. I, I feel like I can get up on anything like that. So uh, all of that and my rain gear, I don't plan on wearing rain gear very long. It's always been a poncho and, you know, it does make some noise. That's, I've tried to get some that don't and they're just not always waterproof. They're water repellent. So most of the raining that hard, we're hunkered down anyway, Joe. Yeah, that's all I do, man. I, you know, I find a, a place I, I get, everything covered my equipment my bow with that poncho and i just hunker down and wait it out you know unless it's those days where you have those constant drizzles but then i just like to get in trees and hunt from tree to tree and let that kind of keep me dry you know uh, well i guess it's kind of one of my pet peeves i just hate being wet and uh i got a good pair of rain gear you know uh I spent the money on some good stuff and I had it in camp this year. You even commented on how quiet it was. Right. No, and, it was, uh, it yeah, was some T50 stuff made by Cabela's real good camo pattern, very light packable gear. Right. Uh, and it, so when, when we talk it about confidence, yeah, it does. It works for me. And when we talk about confidence, I had that gear with me on my pack. Um, when Chab and I got so tight into those bulls this year, I mean, we actually had bulls within feet, not, not, you know, yards. I'm talking about feet of us. And if we weren't silent and our gear and our equipment wasn't silent, we would have never got a bull to play ball with us in that set. They'd have blew us out of there so fast that, it, you know, we'd have, we'd have been scratching our heads and went, what was that? Right. But our gear was silent. We were silent. We worked the wind everything and and I know I have confidence in every piece of that equipment that we used because it worked you know right. so that's how we develop confidence in except all for your tent stuff. right we're not talking about tents today Joe it's not even on one two or three so let's move on yeah. Yeah. Go, Luis <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think we talked in our podcast i don't think we met you by name we said we had a friend that uh, mm -hmm. uh ended up with more water in his tent than outside of his tent that ain't so. my tent no more it's chad's and i'm bringing it <laughs> <laughs> so let's do this now um since we know that having confidence and stuff is identifying possible failure points and eliminating them 
I, I think we ought to talk about some of the different kinds of equipment. Uh, again, you guys out there that um, you really are not sure about what kind of equipment or what your equipment list is that you should have if you're new to this, again, just email us, info at elkrose.com. We'll gladly send you a, a list of uh, equipment, a basic equipment that you should have out there. But in looking at some of these, let's talk about failure points that we've had with some of these that other people, we can help them uh, avoid. And I'm going to start out first with my weapon. And uh, um, that great, is my great bow. choice. Yeah. You know, uh, because there's some things that you can do that can end up busting you out there. I, I like my bow again. I'm a silent freak, so I do a lot of stuff with camouflage moleskin in areas. Any place that an arrow can come off and tap my bow, I've got it covered so that I don't end up with that noise right. tapping at the wrong time. Don't want that happening. I don't want, you know, any creak from – uh, drawing back. I don't want any squeak from drawing back. Uh, I'll tell you this, a huge one is watching out for mud getting inside the grooves of your of your pulley system, you know, of, of your cam. Because I've, I've, uh, I've seen it happen and it's happened to me where you get mud in that groove of your cam and you go to pull back and it rolls your string right off that cam and it blows everything up. So yeah, if, for me, Joe, and, and I'm lucky because I've got an extra bow. Mm -hmm. I'm, I always bring a backup bow. And right. if I cut a string down or something like we're not, we're not real close to the nearest archery shop. Right. Right. So it's really important for me. I don't care what it is. If you, you know, it's your old bow you shot 15 years ago. At the end of the day, you're, you're still elk hunting, right? You're not wasting two days going to wherever you need to go to a bow shop to get either sure. your bow restrung or, or not. And then look, a, a lot of, you know, some other guys could shoot your bow in camp too, if they have bro, bow issues. Right. So we had that happen a couple of years back Had a guy bow that just didn't want to act right and had to get mine out. You know, Chav had a, incident a couple of years back where his blow bow blew up and you know it was not easy you know having having that thing come apart right yeah and yeah that's it it's critical on that uh, i'll tell you another area uh something is is binos uh i've seen guys that uh a good friend of mine actually had his binos hanging off the front of his neck there and went to go shoot at a bull and his string caught his binos and blew everything up. So, you know, it's really a good no -no idea. For me. Right. Really a no-no for me wearing binos on my chest. You know, I, if I carry my binos, it'll be in my backpack. Uh, I'm not wanting them on my chest unless I'm guiding. If I'm right. guiding and I don't have, you know, a bow with me, then I'll have them on me. But Rifle uh, hunter, no problem. Yeah, right. you know. Right. That's no problem. And, and, you know, there's some guys that, uh, you know, they might, uh, if, if you practice with it and you don't have any issue, but I'm just telling you, you got to be careful of stuff on your chest. I like to keep yeah. things on my chest as clear as possible. Um, you can okay. take some of those compacts and you can actually stick them in your, your, uh, your, uh, call your, pocket. Well, you can put it in your pocket, but you can also put it underneath your shoulder strap of your pack right here on, on oh, your yeah. chest. It'll, it'll yeah. like, actually fold right around it, and it makes it real accessible. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the new um, the grunt tube holder that uh, has just come out. You know, exactly where is it located? Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's a pretty – you know, grunt tubes are pretty big. Right. And I would think that would somehow interfere. You know? No, so, but, so check it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Make sure anything that you have like that, get out there and, and wear that stuff on the range. And, well, and if you're going to wear it, you better shoot with it. You better right. shoot it. And you're, you're pre-planning and you're pre-shooting and everything. You need to be shooting with the gear on that you're going to that you're yeah, that'll, with. That'll go with your rangefinder too. You know, make sure you can tuck it away somewhere where it's not going to get in the way. And you yeah, a lot of guys have them on a retractable system where they can, you know, pull it up range and let it suck back into that deal. I mean, however it is for me, for me, it goes in my front bellows pocket. It's where it always rides. And I'm, I'm generally ranging a few things in front of me. And then if I get an opportunity, I'll pull it out. If not, you know, I've pretty well got it narrowed down if he's in within 40 yards. We talked about the release. <clears throat> I don't ever have to worry about, you know, 
I, I told you in the past, I think the reason that I shoot instinctive bare bow, no sights, no releases, because Nothing man, I, go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I just keep it as simple as possible. Even if I forget my, uh, my shooting glove, I can shoot with my fingers. So, yeah. uh, but you guys have a whole different thing to worry about. So let's talk about pins and sights. Some of the, the things that you've come across that other people advice you could give them for points of failure on that keep it simple you know uh for me having too many sites can be having too many pins can really confuse you if you're not understanding uh red green yellow (laughs) you know i mean all the different colors can really confuse you i had a bull that rc knox called in for me joe helped get him fired up and uh that bull came in at 41 yards and he turned and walked directly to me. But in my infinite wisdom of bow hunting, I kept thinking he was at 41 yards. And when he turned broadside at 19, I used my 40 yard pin to shoot at him. Right. And it's just a brain. It made me want to go to just one pin. Right. Right. I Yeah. So for me, it was about familiarizing myself with, the pins that are on my boat and cutting them down. So I only hunt with four pins now, Joe. I mean, yeah, and I, I know some guys that only go three. I think you're at. Are you at? I think right now it. Uh, I think there's six right now. I would like to cut it down a little bit. Right, because that puts a, a lot of stuff in front of me. Yeah, you got to start calculating. Okay, which pin? <laughs> yeah. You but, know, but going back to what uh, you alluded some to, some guys have to use six if they yeah. want to shoot out to fifty-six. Yeah, well, that's, they don't have that poundage and everything else to make it flatter, you know. Uh-huh. But as far as the uh, going back to uh, the release, you've already touched on it a little bit. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm shooting without gloves right now. And as I get closer, I'm going to have to use a, some gloves because it does get real cold in the morning. Yep. And my hands get really cold in the morning. <laughs> right. So I'm going to have to adapt to the touch. But I can't, I can't have anything on my, on my shooting finger. And that's, that's my own personal preference for you you might be able to be proficient with shooting with a glove on well and i I ask those guys out there too what what do you do what happens you got to be ready for things like i mean things that are going to go wrong out there what happens if all of a sudden your peep sight's not you know where you can look through it because it's got twisted the tube did something freaky it got ripped off i mean you got to be ready for those type of scenarios like that and and not let it freak you out at the Mm -hmm. time yeah, and and when that if that's happened, if you use a tube on your peep sight, just carry extra tube in your backpack. It's very light and compact, and you can always make that adjustment out there, right? And well, yeah, all, you can. But what if you go to pull back on a bull, and all of a sudden you don't oh, have yeah, well, you don't have no sight? Yeah, that's a great. That's a. It's happened to me. It's happened to me. Whitetail hunting, and, and when that happened to me, I had a guy that was really. Uh, smart bow hunter and he he told me exactly how to make that go the way you need it to go and when you get to full draw let's say that thing breaks what he did was he showed me how to use my nose and go up there and manipulate the peep sight to get it to exactly where i need it so i can see through it. <laughs> and i'm telling you right now it worked i can if my peep sight turns now all i gotta do is get my nose up there and turn it and it's perfect every time. Right. So, but if you don't know to do that, you're yeah. dead in the water, right? Yeah. You can't see through your peak side, but I promise you get your nose up there and push on it. It's going to get to where you want it to be. Right. right. So those, so, those are things to think about. Like that's even, like I said, how important my calls are for me, you know, uh, there's points of failure with those. I mean, I've been out there and if you don't take care of them, if you don't put them in the right kind of case or you've been using them a lot and they get warm and after a while that uh, that latex starts to stretch a little bit, you can go to make a cow call and all of a sudden it sounds like a goose. So, you know, yeah, you make sure that you always have, you know, extra reeds with you. It's kind of like those scent checkers. I always carry the extra reeds with me and, and know how to take care of them. 
You know, it's kind of like a good handgun, Joe. Better to have it, not need it, than to need it, not have it. Yeah, I guess I guess you could say that, man. <laughs> I've never had a handgun, but you know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't live in H town. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Well, I have another point about the release too. Uh, I noticed. Well, I have small wrists, so when I put my release on, it goes to the very last hole. Now, when I put a glove on, it doesn't do the same thing. It goes to the second to the last hole. So there, there's a little change there already. So, right. uh, it's, so it's important that you do practice when you start using a glove. Yeah. yeah. That's I, a great I, point. You know, going back to camel clothing, too, because, uh, you know, there's so many different things with base layers out there. And, and, again, you know, for you guys that are just starting out, some of that stuff can get a little bit daunting. Uh, but, you know, if – I wear one layer underneath that could be a, uh, and some days I don't even need that because I know once I get moving that when your mornings are cool, you're going to put on more clothes than you need. So whatever you put on in the morning to warm up before you head out, take off a layer and leave it because you're not going to need it or put it in your pack for later that evening. If you're staying out all day, you know, we have times, a lot of times when we leave in the dark and come back in the dark, but, so you might need it at that time. But, uh, you know, I really like some of the Merino stuff that's out now. Uh, I This is the first year I've worn some. It's uh, soft. It's it, quiet. Well, it, it's it's warm and it's cool. And uh, just its odor resistance, I, I really like that. But, you know, until this year, I, I've never used it. You know, if it got cold, I did a layer of poly or something like that. But it was most important. I, I like fleece. Uh, I like different types of products on the outside. So it's, you just have to be ready to layer. So you have that under. You're going to have that that uh, shirt on top of that that a lot of times you're going to come down to and maybe a light jacket on top. And you get those three layers and you're you're pretty well set. But make sure that it's not too tight because an area of failure um, is – whether you're using the rifle or, or the bow, when you, you know, you get something that's too tight and you try to get those arms up there and, and you get bound, you know, I always check and make sure I have really, really good room in my shoulders and everything flows and, and I'm comfortable. So one of the things I wanted to say real quick before we end uh-huh. tonight is about arrows and broadheads. Uh, I, I think it's really important for guys that shoot the lower poundage bows to understand and when I'm talking about lower poundage, I'm talking about 60 pounds, 65 pounds and less. It's really important for those guys to shoot cut on contact broadheads. Yeah, I, I don't, I, we don't do uh, mechanicals for it. Right. I've seen firsthand with, you know, some heartbreak uh, with some of those. And it wasn't because that wasn't because that the equipment's not good. It's, it's because the equipment that's shooting, it's not enough to absorb the energy that it, it absorbs, right? Well, mechanical is doing exactly what it's made to do. It's made to go in and expand, and right. it'll open up inside that animal and not give you two holes. And when it comes to an elk, two holes is what you want. So, yeah, that's one thing. A good cut on contact broadhead is huge. I shoot a heavy arrow. I don't shoot carbon. I shoot a carbon infused full metal jacket arrow. Uh, and guys I, I there, shoot, I shoot the carbon and I'd shoot right. an aluminum if I had to. Right. And, and look, I mean, those, the heavier the arrow, the more penetration you'll get uh, nine times out of 10. I shoot a hundred grain broadhead. I shoot a blood sport wraith or I shoot a muzzy trocar. Those are the two heads that I use. Been very successful. Killed a lot of pigs, a lot of white tails, and a lot of elk with them. And I wanted everybody to understand that those are the two main things in my setup that drive the killing part, not just the bow and my release, but that arrow and broadhead combination is lethal on good shot. Yeah. I don't know why people would, uh, you know, get all that great equipment and not ensure that they have a real solid broadhead on there because that's, that's the business end of what you're doing. And it's got to, to get that clean, responsible kill, you need that solid broadhead on. Yes, there. sir. Yes, All sir. right. Well, Joe, it looks look, uh, looks like we had an awesome <clears throat> show tonight. Got a lot of content talked about. Um, we look forward to you know our next subject in our confidence series. Uh, yeah. It's going to be about hunt strategies. Hunt strategies, right? Yeah, and uh, 
we, you know, guys remember to subscribe and we don't mind if you throw us a five-star rating, right? Uh, yeah. and, and good luck to all those that are out there still waiting on their draw results. Yeah, they're still, still to come for a lot of those. Yes, sir. So to, until next time, y'all keep grinding it out with us, and we'll see you next week here on the Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yeah, we look forward to giving shout-outs to you. So uh, get in there, rate, review, subscribe. Good night, y'all. Good night. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.